Welcome to a special In The Money Players podcast. This is an edition focused on the early pick five on Friday afternoon. That's right. We have five non-Breeders' Cup races on Friday afternoon. I'm going to cover them. This is Nick Tamaro covering these particular races, and I am going to be joined by the Churchill Downs handicapper, one of Kentucky's finest without question, Scott Shapiro. Scott, you're ready to rock and roll for this two-day Breeders' Cup. I am, Nick. Super excited for the two days. Obviously, the World Championship races will be the headliners, but uh, I think we've got, obviously, as always, some fun races on the undercard, including this early pick five on Friday. Yeah, I mean, a guy like you who follows Kentucky racing regularly, you know, these are some of the best um, open company, non-stake races you're going to get around these parts. A lot of these horses have been specifically pointed to these races. They'll run again probably later on at Churchill. So I thought they did a really excellent job bringing these races together. Yeah, we've got some potential stars in the races. We've got competitive races and a couple, maybe a couple of horses that look kind of tough to beat or at least that they're going to run well. And then we have maybe my least favorite stake regularly on the Breeders' Cup uh, undercard. I guess it used to be called the Marathon. Now they're calling it the Thoroughbred after Carolina Stakes. But uh, it's a fun way to end the sequence nonetheless. It is. That'll be at a mile and five-eighths. We will cover it as the final leg of this early pick five. Let's get right into it. It is going to begin at 11.55 Eastern time with the two other than at a mile and a 16th on the main track. And in case you're not aware, you'll hear Kurt Pecker say right before they leave the gate, first wire. They're going to begin and end at the first wire. I thought this was a fun field, Scott. Um, I thought there was pace towards the outside and probably favored the uh, six B dock and the eight open road. Did you have uh, anybody else with you had an eye on? Well, I did pick Open Road, who I thought ran huge uh, in his first try around two turns on uh, October 1st. He beat strong quality and a good uh, Mark, good-looking Mark Cassie runner that was loose on the lead. Took a, just a massive step forward for a horse that bred on the top, at least, to get two turns. And I think if he runs back to that effort, he'll be tough to beat. I struggled to figure out B-Doc. I mean, he's run some massive races. I still think maybe he's best at seven furlongs. Kind of a defensive B, I guess, if you will. Um, and I thought Search Engine, you know, has kind of struggled to win races, and I don't know if he's good enough, but he does appear to be moving in the right direction, and I think the slight cutback should help, and the tactical speed hopefully will be enough for him to avoid a uh, wide trip. And then I guess Ethereal Road, I mean, man, I've never really been a massive fan of this horse over the last part of, you know, last several starts. I did think he ran pretty well, though, last time at Keeneland. Kind of quick return here for the coach, but that's part of his game, and for some reason they go at it early. I think he's got a chance to come rolling late. Yeah, and even the though this is an open or this is an, a, a three and up race, and he comes out of a straight three race. I thought the field was a lot tougher in the race that the Road's coming out of. So I picked him third. I don't have a big a big lean. I picked the race six eight two nine. So I mean, it's pretty much. I think one of those four is almost certainly yeah. going to win. Um, and, and and I guess I wanted to go with B Doc, hoping that the approach is just going to be very simple. I mean, you put Saez on, you want to be forwardly placed. No, right? that's you're, you're looking to go. Yeah, and we saw this happen repeatedly throughout the Keeneland Fall Meet. Exactly. You go from Joel Rosario to Luis Saez, two great riders, two de very different kind of riders. So that's why I am going to use B-Doc. You know, he's run well over the surface. He'll probably be on the lead. I don't love him as the favorite, but I think you got it right. I mean, there's four logicals in here. I'd be very surprised if one of them doesn't win it. Yeah, I think Saez is supposed to make this pretty simple and just, again, put B-Doc right on the front end. Let's go to race number two at seven furlongs. On the main track, this is for two-year-old fillies, and undoubtedly, I, I guess the discussion before the race will be on the two magical song, the uh, first fold to race out of grade one winning champion Songbird. Uh, this is a horse who is a Whisper Hill homebred, 
with uh, Mandy Pope having purchased Songbird at the end of her racing career. You know, I will admit, and I'm sure there are people probably listening to this thinking, how the hell did you make this horse eight to one? So in order to make the morning line for these races, I had to make my own past performances. There were no past performances out other than the Equibase past performances that appear more or less in everybody's program, um, aside from Churchill Down, CDI tracks. And, and so I saw these workouts and I thought, you know, not that Brad Cox is a guy whose horses really burn in the morning, but I didn't love the look of a five and one Oh three and three in an inside post. I could easily see this horse going off, you know, seven to two or four to one though. I hope this horse takes a ton of money because not only is the work tab a little bit underwhelming, but I just love playing against these kinds of horses, you know, assuming they're short prices because being, you know, out of Songbird doesn't guarantee anything. We've seen so many talented uh, fillies and mares, you know, have great careers and then be very unproductive in their after racing career and then being by Tappet, I mean, not necessarily one you really want to endorse or back at short prices or even in general first out. So looks to me like this might be a uh, just a prep to get this one rolling. I do prefer others, uh, and I think uh, – you know, if your morning line's not right in this one case, I'm always rooting for you. But I hope you're wrong here. I hope this horse goes off three to one. So it could be, it could be <laughs> a good way to be wrong, right? That that's kind of the way the way I looked at it. So I ended up going to the ten affirmative lady, who is a second time starter for a Grand Motion that went off about roughly nine to two in the uh, in her debut. And though that was a fast paced race, I noticed in watching the replay a couple of times, she really made the only move. And knowing that Grand Motion is a guy whose horses get better with experience, he's 26% with second time starting maidens on the dirt, uh, 207 ROI. I thought those were pretty good numbers. This felt like a horse who was really set to improve. I landed on the same horse, you know, I agree with you, even though there was a fast pace, there wasn't any, it wasn't like the race was really falling apart. Jersey Pearl was a big price winner, was prominent, as was Adiva, who uh, is in this spot, actually drawn right to the outside of Affirmative Lady. Boy, she finished well and galloped out huge. She looks like a serious runner. I think the extra furlong will only benefit. I don't have a problem with the outside draw. I did pick a big price for second, Nick. I went with number three, Indy, again. Rusty Arnold's been winning a lot of two-year-old races, some with firsters, which is somewhat new for him. I thought this daughter of Fort Larned ran a little bit better than looks than what on paper looks like an even sixth-place effort. But she rode the rail. I thought the outside was a little better on September 23rd at Churchill. And I thought she kind of finished well. Now, I have questions about the quality of that group. But with the price being 30-1 to and liking what I saw on the track, I'm going to include Indy again. And I also thought number six classy Bridget had the right to run well here for Chris Hartman the winner of the uh, debut effort that that one ran in September 18th here at Churchill was uh, pretty mischievous who came back to win not impressively as a heavy favorite on the stars of tomorrow one card opening day here at Churchill but she got the job done it was a weird track and classy Bridget was really finishing well so those are my top three and if in terms of first-time starters, I thought number eight, Vivid Dreams, made some sense for Pletcher and Rapoli. And then number nine, Strikingly Spun, I think, uh, for Joe Sharp, maybe a big price horse that I might include if I was spreading deep. Yeah, a couple of notes there. Vivid Dreams for Todd Pletcher is the uh, third full to race out of a winless dam. The first two are both uh, 0 for 1. was a, a turf horse named Gather the Facts. The other one is a horse who I won't even say what surface that horse is supposed to run on because he ran bad on both turf and dirt. <laughs> It, it really has a lot to do with the workout that contributed to this horse going for 250000 She worked 10 flat at the Phasic Tipton sale at Gulfstream down in March. My price horse that I thought was interesting was the Four Lovin' on the Run, who's cutting back for Al Stahl. Uh, daughter of Run Happy broke last and then rushed up to contest the pace 
going a mile on the 16th at Churchill. What I don't love is that she was actually the only speed horse that faded, but I think what went on in the opening furlong or so probably took its toll. And, and I think the cutback might be uh, exactly what she needs from a distance perspective in what is undoubtedly a very interesting second leg of this sequence. Let's go to race three, which will feature a pretty heavy favorite on the outside in number 11, Marsalis. How are we handling this son of Curlin? Well, he is my top pick, and I understand why a lot of people would make the decision to lean on him. You know, he, he's just one for three but with two seconds, but a lot of times I'll hold seconds against horses, not in this case. I mean, the second on debut at Fairgrounds was on the Risen Star undercard, and Momentus, who to say he hasn't gotten back to this race would be an understatement for Todd Pletcher, but they really threw down in that race when this one was kind of, I got off the plane and I think I was told three times at the new Orleans airport that Marsalis was live, but a little bit overstating, but just one of those horses that everybody was talking about and uh, came back to run huge on Louisiana Derby day to get the job done to break the maiden. And then again, lost to a lost by three quarters of a length as the favorite on September 22nd off the layoff here, but run classic was awesome that day for, Brett Calhoun and came back and ran even better at Keeneland uh, moving up in class. So Marsalis drawn to the outside is the clear one to beat. I do have a little interest in maybe using a couple others um, as, as B's. I thought number three Spartan Army ran a really good race off a long layoff. He broke his maiden at a big price on Halloween last year, which is the Stars of Tomorrow one card. Then was off, off on the bench for almost 11 months. Came back in that same race as Run Classic and Marsalis. Was drawn along the inside. Did not have a very clean voyage. Went in tight much of the way under jockey Tyler Gaffleone. The problem is he's drawn inside again, and I don't know if the trip's going to be much better. But I think Spartan Army's got some talent second start off the bench. And Pro Occident was a little interesting, you know, probably a distant B for me, but uh, didn't get out of the gates well. In fact, I don't know what it says. Uh, on the Brisnet past performances, it doesn't say anything about a stumbled start, but there definitely was a stumbled start for this gelding and kind of cost him uh, any chance he had in a pretty competitive first-level allowance event on eight furlongs. Now he cuts back, and I think with a better break, he'll run a lot better under Luis Saez. Yeah, I have the race picked 11-3-6, so I have very little to add to what you've laid out. Um, uh, worth noting that you mentioned Run Classic, who quite honestly looks like a horse you could see next in a race like the Cigar Mile, based on how well he ran last time at Keeneland, getting a, a buyer speed figure of 105, a run, son of Run Happy, who looks to have a ton of upside. Marsalis now second off the layoff. This is, of course, a, a terrific Stone Street pedigree out of Hot Dixie Chick, who, as probably nobody out there cares, but she won the Schuylerville on my first ever Trip to Saratoga. Nice. First day I was ever there in 2009. It was opening day, and she won the Schuylerville in a driving rainstorm. So that is a little bit of history that you probably didn't need to know as far <laughs> as race three goes, where we'll deal with heavy favorite in Marsalis. On to race four, also at seven-eighths on the Keeneland main track. And again, the weather is expected to be very, very nice on Friday. There's a little chance of rain a little bit later on Saturday, but we're going to be dealing with warm temperatures and more than likely a fast track the entire way. Well, we're going to have another big favorite here, Scott, with the nine Arabian Lion, son of Justify for Bob Baffert, who was a handy winner at seven to 10 on debut at Santa Anita and now takes the, I suppose, logical but conservative step to go into a one other than first tough that win. 
Yeah, you don't see very many of these these days. A lot of these uh, top maiden breaking performances, they're, they're usually going right to a stakes event. But, uh, you know, this might as well be one, at least on the outside part of the uh, gate, because not only was Arabian Lion a, an ultra-impressive winner on debut, but so was Trey Solis, uh, Solis who uh, won by a neck but was very impressive in holding off Reagan. Uh, it was six and a quarter lengths back to third, and Reagan uh, was on the also-eligible list on the Stars of Tomorrow One card, did not uh, draw in there will run on Saturday instead. I think he's got a bright future. And I thought Trey Solis didn't run quite as fast as Arabian Lion and wasn't as visually impressive, but showing heart, grit, and determination to the wire is important. And I think he, you know, the winner of this race may need it unless Arabian Lion is just a total freak. And then I thought number 12, Protege, who you made the four to one second choice off a very impressive maiden breaking performance uh, here on September 21st and what I thought was one of the better maiden special weight events for two year olds here at Churchill in the September meet. The runner-up Lugan Knight might have been best that day and was really good in his return race. He went to the, sped to the early lead, battled early, sat just off the pace, and then even when he got beat by Protégé, came back and galloped out well. So I think the top two ran very well that day. Protégé probably needs to take a slight step forward, may get caught a little wide, but uh, I think he could get a somewhat similar trip that he did in that maiden-breaking performance. So a little bit formful, but I did give Trace Elise the nod over Arabian line for value purposes, picking it 11, 9, 12. Again, I'd be surprised if one of those three, Nick, don't get us out of this race. Yeah, I, I thought so as well. Um, I thought Protégé might get the best trip, as you mentioned, uh, being that he can sit a little bit off the pace. And I think the only the only potential knock on Arabian Lion is that he could get into a pace battle. And if he does, that could make things interesting for everybody else. The blinkers are coming off, which is kind of kind of interesting because you generally don't see equipment changes on horses coming off victories. And um, if we were a little more serious about our game in this country, we would probably ask Connections why they want to do stuff like that. But nonetheless, that's the move that's going to be made with Arabian Lion. I thought uh, one other horse I wanted to mention, I don't think he's good enough, but I did like the debut for the two giant mischief. He's going to be coming from off the pace. He beat a weak field at Horseshoe Indianapolis, but he kind of did it the right way. He didn't have a clean trip. He got into trouble a couple of times. There's been a next out winner already in the field in Tiz a Beast who came back and won it a mile and improved his buyer speed figure by 11 points. So there's a little bit to like there. It's not anything terribly significant. This is a horse who's owned in the partnership group that, uh, that Brad Cox trains for uh, with a really nice pedigree as well. So he might be one to keep an eye on maybe a little bit more for the future. It is a big, big class test as far as this race goes. Gone to the fifth, the thoroughbred aftercare alliance at a mile and five eighths. They'll be starting it out of the chute where they run uh, two-year-old races from in the springs. The only time in the fall you'll ever see a race start from there. And they'll go uh, a mile and five eighths in here, Scott. I thought that all things considered, this actually ended up being a pretty interesting bunch. Yeah, it was a little bit tough. I wish I was a little bit more creative. I struggled to have a real solid opinion in terms of, you know, finding any of the big price options because I don't fully trust the logicals in here. Um, I did end up landing on the third choice on your line, number four, Haywoods Beach, who definitely has things to prove. Uh, probably the main one for me is that he can ship outside of Southern California and be as good as he has been in Southern California. But his last three races uh, going these marathon distance over the main track, they've been surrounded by a couple of turf races against graded stakes foes, but he's been good in all three of them. He won by a neck in the Tokyo City last out on October 2nd. The Cougar the third, kind of a similar type race. He got the best of Tiz a Magician, who was the heavy favorite that day. And then um, the year before, 
before that, Cougar, the, the, the grade two Cougar, the second or grade three Cougar, the second, I'm sorry, he ran pretty well in defeat. So I think he's got the right running style. He'll get the jump on the favorite rattle and roll. I think he'll sit probably third early on. And I like his chances to run a good race, assuming he uh, takes to the Keeneland surroundings. What did you make of rattle and roll, Nick? Because he hasn't raced, been as good without Lasix for the most part. He hasn't taken on older horses and he hasn't gone this long, but his last two efforts have been really good. Yeah, I mean, that's the question you have to ask yourself. If, if he is just really coming into his own or if it's a situation where um, he has definitely improved being treated with Lasix again, I think there are enough excuses for his non-Lasix performances that are a little subpar to give him another chance. Um, one of which is I thought he had all kinds of trouble in the Indiana Derby. I don't want to hold that against him. And in the Matt win, you know, yeah, he was beaten six lengths. He was behind Cyberknife. So in a race dominated on the front end, he was kind of working his way back into form at that point as well. I made him the favorite because I thought that coming off a grade three win, he'd be, especially with a, with a hundred buyer speed figure, he'd be an easy one for people to, to land on. And Haywood's beach looked all things considered, like he might be a little slow, even though his dirt races are are very, very good. I would use rattle and roll, but I'd probably use him as a backup, waiting for him to prove whether this is a, a situation that he really wants. I mean, the, the horse to me that, that kind of holds all the keys in this race from a wagering perspective and in terms of how it's going to end up is Bal Harbor. Because, I mean, you, you get Robertino Diodoro claiming a horse like this. He's 25% with a 226 ROI, first off a claim in dirt routes. And this horse is the main speed. So, you know, it's it's not a situation where you worry terribly much to me about claiming off of Pletcher because you're sort of claiming off of Pletcher and Greg Sacco. And, you know, with all due respect, Greg Sacco really didn't do particularly well with this horse. I mean, he had him for roughly a dozen races and, and he never ran better than third. He immediately got back to Pletcher. He was spotted realistically. And all of a sudden he kind of exploded. So you're looking for Sias to ride this horse aggressively. Does it give you some of the vibes of a horse like Lone Rock? A little bit, you know, and maybe this is a horse that that Diodoro had an eye on going long. Um, kind of thinking about him and watching him. He is a half to mind control, which is kind of funny that he would end up being right. this, you know, long-winded distance horse. But with all that said, I picked win the day because I actually thought win the day ran better than Haywood's Beach last time. He didn't get out of the gate well. He was last. They were crawling. He went wide. And eventually he came up a little bit short. I think that the distance will really be in his favor. He looks like a horse that's sort of bottomless distance-wise. But I mean... If I'm telling somebody to, to make a multi-race bet and to get to be alive, you use the one, four, six, and nine, right? And it's just a matter of how you grade that out. It's going to be surprising to me for somebody outside that group of four to win. This will kick off the pick six on Friday if you have the the temerity to play the pick six on a card like this with all those two-year-old races later. Then my hat's off to you. Um, I won't, but uh, I think this is a good spot for you to get out of it with four horses. Yeah, I, I wish I had a stronger opinion, like I said, but even more so, wish I had a price in there. Win the day should be a pretty good price. He did, you could argue, uh, did run better uh, for sure than Haywood's Beach in the Tokyo City. Just a one win coming in it makes it a little bit of a tall task, but he does to appear to be a horse that likes the, uh, the the more distance, the better. Again, despite the pedigree, which maybe on the bottom side isn't too bad for this type of distance, but being by midshipman certainly doesn't lead you to believe this horse will be a mile and five eight specialist. But yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the one, four, six, and nine probably get you out. Maybe if for whatever reason I thought next might be able to hang around for a minor share if they go slow up front, but I don't think he's good enough to be competitive towards the wire uh, to win the race. 
Yeah, I thought the same thing. I mean, just looked a little cheap in comparison to some of his rivals in here. Um, it was an interesting pedigree for uh, win the day because the dam was sort of a pokey, you know, one run grindy type of, she actually never broke her maiden, but when she was at her, when she ran her best races, she was just very distance oriented. And, uh, and so I guess the, the bottom side of this pedigree kind of won out more so than anything else, but uh, we'll see if win the day can take that jump up to end up winning this race and earn his second career victory. That is a look at the early pick five for Friday afternoon, Friday late morning and afternoon, I should say, with first post at 11.55 Eastern time. Scott, I know everybody can find your picks at uh, twinspires.com and on the Twinspires app for both Breeders' Cup days, correct? Yes, they'll be there, and they'll also be uh, up on the Keeneland website if you like the uh, text version instead of looking at my face, which is totally understandable. But uh, looking forward to it, Nick. You know, uh, a, a lot of fun races. Some races I think we'll see some star power, not as great a gambling races. And then there's a few that I'm really looking forward to diving into. But hopefully we can uh, kick off the weekend by hitting this early pick five. My advice would be to supplement the written picks with Scott's face. So use both if possible, I think is the best of all worlds. They can catch you as well on the Churchill Down simulcast show and throughout the card handicapping. Scott, thanks so much. Best of luck, my friend. Thanks, Nick. You too, man. And a big thanks to everybody out there, including our In The Money Plus subscribers. It's a great time to join In The Money Plus. We have a ton of content throughout Breeders' Cup weekend, including a, I'm going to do a video on the all-turf pick four on Saturday. We've got some wagering strategies for the intra-race bets throughout the weekend that I will be producing as well. We'll also have an early pick five show for Saturday that will be taped at some point tomorrow. Nick Tamaro for Scott Shapiro. Until next time, best of luck.